Welcome to Global Outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Thank you for joining us today as we take a look at the fiery, passionate love of God for us and how he longs for us to have that same fiery, passionate love for him. We're almost to Pentecost. If you remember our podcast a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Pentecost and how the disciples and all of Israel was celebrating the giving of the law, how God had showed himself on Mount Sinai as a fiery flame. You can see that in Exodus 24 and 25, and how God met them. And this was the time when God gave the Ten Commandments. He spoke it out to the people of Israel, and they agreed to it. And the the Jewish people call this the ketubah. A ketubah is the marriage contract that spells out the responsibilities of the couple to each other. They have this as a contract before they get married, and it's signed by witnesses, and then they sign it when, when the marriage ceremony is is complete, and they're agreeing to do all of the things that it says in this marriage contract. And so that's what was taking place at Mount Sinai, that God was giving uh, a ketubah. He was giving a marriage contract as though he is marrying Israel. And of course, as Gentiles, as the church, we consider Pentecost as the beginning of the church. It's like Mm -hmm. the birthday of the church. And in both cases, we see fire. Yes. We see fire coming down. It's because God is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 424, it says, uh, Jehovah your God is a devouring or consuming fire. He's a jealous God. Uh, The Good News Version says he tolerates no rivals. And that's why idolatry is so disgusting to him. Yeah. And if you look at the book of the Song, Song of Solomon, we see... As, as Gentiles, you know, we've been grafted into Israel. And so uh, sometimes we don't see ourselves as being connected to Israel, but uh, all of the writers of the New Testament did because they were all Jewish. Even Luke, who was the, uh, the only Gentile writer, was a proselyte. He, he, had, he had converted to Judaism. <laughs> so we have to see things from a biblical perspective, keeping in mind what the original thought was. So we've been grafted in, but that means that we have all of the promises in addition, not in replacement of. Yes. Uh-huh. There's, a, there's a horrible teaching out there that the church replaces Israel, but the Bible doesn't, doesn't really bear that out. And anybody who's using the Bible to say that that's true isn't rightly dividing the word of truth. So we have the book of the Song of Solomon, where as Gentiles, as the church, we consider that a song between the bride and the bridegroom. And in the New Testament, it talks about the body of Christ, and it talks about the bride and how the bride makes herself ready. But from the Jewish point of view, they consider this the, the song of love between God and the Jewish people. 
So yeah, it's it's yeah. it's the same. We're kind of tracking together, but parallel. They, they had it first. <laughs> they did have it first. You're absolutely right. So we can learn a few things from them. So God is a consuming fire. And we see that on Mount Sinai, and we see that in the second chapter of Acts, how he comes down in this flame of fire. And we talked about it the other day, if you, if you ha- or a couple weeks ago. If you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to the one about Pentecost and the coming Pentecost. We're expecting this great, amazing Pentecost, even as literal as our Passover was. We're expecting something very literal to be coming on this Pentecost that is just around the corner. And we want it to be a passionate experience with God because that's part of what Jesus paid for. He paid, he made the new covenant, which is spelled out in Jeremiah 31. We mentioned it before that God promised that the new covenant would include forgiveness of our iniquities and our sins and our transgressions. It would include writing his law in our hearts and it would include knowing God. Yes. And our God is a consuming fire. Consuming fire. It's like what's the the scripture when Paul says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Yeah, don't you think there was probably some fire or light or something there? Oh my, I mean, Paul saw the light. You know, it blinded him. That's right. He was, you know, on his way to Damascus, you know, carrying out his murderous... uh, He was carrying out his murderous orders. Yes, and... And then Jesus met him on the way, gave him his own visitation. And nobody around him, you know, saw anything, but they, but they, they they, knew something happened. They knew something happened. And, and, you know, God's fire can come down in an individual anywhere at any place that he chooses. Right. You know, it doesn't always have to mean you're in a church service. That's right. I mean, you can be in worship in your home, you could be in your car. And the fire of God comes down, though you may not see a flame, and you might give, have just a, a download of the Holy Spirit, and uh, and nobody else around you will. It's true. But but you got it. That's you know. true. And but the time is coming, like it did on uh, the Temple Mount, you know, on the day of Pentecost, when the fire of God came down, and it said it tongues of fire on all their heads, and and everybody out there saw it, like. I mean, if, if you saw somebody with fire on your head, what would you think? You know, <laughs> but they thought, this is what we want. This is what we're, this is what we come up to Jerusalem for, is for the fire of God, because that's what it is. It's the celebrating of uh, the law given on Mount Sinai, and and there was fire involved, and the uh, shofars were sounding, the trumpet, the shofars were blowing, and the mountain was, uh, as the King James says, altogether on a smoke. Yeah. And the people were afraid. That's right. And when God shows up, how often do we see in Scripture that he shows up in fire? fire. Yeah. Okay? So you've got this story of you know, what you just said. And then then you've got Manoah, okay? Manoah and his, his wife were the parents of Samson. And in that story in Judges, you have Samson's parents, I guess it was his mother, first of all, uh, had this, this visitation from an angel. And the angel promises her, you know, she's a, she's a woman that's barren. Every barren woman is looking for a baby. Yes. You know, especially in that, especially that kind male. of culture. Yeah. Yes. And so... If you look at those times in the scripture when there was a barren woman, 
the child that eventually came was a specially marked child that grew up to be something for God. And so what was what seemed to be evil in their eyes as a, as barrenness, God turned it into something amazing. That's another case of Romans 8:28 turning out for good. Uh, mm-hmm. We know that all things work together for good to them that love him, to them that are the called according to his purpose, even barrenness. When God gives you that baby, then all of a sudden there's something special marked mm-hmm. on that baby. So, okay, so, so um, the angel appears to her the second time after she's talked to her husband, and her husband says, next time he shows up, get me. And so he showed up again, and Manoah comes, and, and he offers a sacrifice. And the, the flame that came on the sacrifice, the angel went back up to heaven in the flame. Wow. Ah, that's, a, that's one of those things of the presence of God. Yeah. And then talk about Elijah. When he was with the prophets of Baal, and he says, build an altar. And he built the altar that was broken down, is what it says in the that's scripture. Right. And he put a stone on it, I believe one stone for for each each of the tribes of Israel. And then he said, get water and pour it onto the altar. And they poured the water on the altar. And, and you have to remember that there was a famine in the land. Yeah, water no would have rain. been a very difficult thing to get. Yeah. But there was some supply of water there. It was either from the from the stream that was down one side of the mountain, or it could have been from the Mediterranean down the other side of the mountain. Yes. And so it was a price to get that water there, and they poured it on the altar. And then after the the prophets of Baal had, had done everything they could do, and Elijah would just called on the name of the Lord and says, if you are the Lord God, you know, answer by fire. And he answered by fire, and it burnt up everything. It says it, the stones, it you know, consuming fire. And in the heat of that moment, he says, gather all the prophets of Baal. And he slew every one of the prophets of Baal. Yeah. And you know, the priest, all the, the people that worshipped him, worshipped him. He was cleaning house. He was cleaning house. And and all the people said, Jehovah is God. Jehovah is God. Because they were watching to see, is, this, is it Baal or is it Jehovah? And Baal did not answer, though he had... Uh, even all through late afternoon, you know, they cried. This says they cut themselves. Yeah. And they climbed on the altar and they cut themselves. And but to no avail. And and Elijah just just mocked him. He says, maybe your God's asleep, you know. And <laughs> you know, and and he was so confident in what God was going to do. Yeah. That you know, he just because that was just his relationship he had, and you know, just answering by by fire. Yeah. So we also see that God answered by fire when the tabernacle was dedicated, and then God answered by fire again when uh, when Solomon dedicated the temple. Mm-hmm. Yes, he he's of consuming fire. That's who he is. That's what he is. Song of Solomon, chapter eight, in verse six, it says, "Set me as a seal upon your heart, as yeah. a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death." Jealousy is as cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which has a most vehement flame. That's, that's how the King James reads. The Berean Study Bible says it's the fiercest, fiercest blaze of all. And the New American Standard and, and even the Jewish Bible says the very flame of the Lord. It's the only place in the Song of Solomon that has the name of God. It's, it's the name Yah. Yeah. And that's the same name that we have in the word 
Hallelujah. He rides by the heavens by his name, Yah. That's right. That's right. And he rides the heavens in his passion for his people. And his passion for his people, he he wants relationship. That's what he started out at Mount Sinai with. He wanted relationship with his people. He wanted to have a kingdom of priests. He wants us as grafted in people to be grafted into this kingdom of, of priests, a kingdom of people that will have a passion for him in the same way that he has a passion for us. Yes, and when God anoints someone to do a particular job, you know, it's like the zeal of God is upon them. And the Lord spoke to Elijah, was was to um, anoint uh, Jehu as the king of Israel. Of course, he passed it on to Elisha, and then um, Elisha had his servant go do it. Uh, He comes in, his servant, and anoints his head and gives him the word of the Lord and disappears. He runs for it. Runs for it. And when they all heard to, to anoint him king, then they they took Jehu. You know, they made him king right at that point. But what uh, he did, he was sent to clean house. Yes. He didn't have the fire come down like Elijah had and the prophets of Baal. But when he was cleaning up the the house of Ahab. I mean, all their sons, uh, I think he had like 70 sons. They had them all executed, had them all beheaded. And then he says, and I want to give a big sacrifice on the Baal and all get all the prophets. And they all came to the big celebration that is going on. Get every worshiper of Baal. And when every worshiper of Baal was in there, then he told the soldiers, let not one of them escape. That's right. And he destroyed them all. But and but he even says in the scripture, you know, to someone that was going to get into his chariot, come and see, see the zeal that God has given me. Yeah, that's a passion. So he, he had a passion because he was anointed to do it. That's right. You know, when God anoints you to do something, he puts a fire in your bones to do it. And that's even true. our founder, uh, Sister Gwen, you know, even in her last year, she was on oxygen and she was still traveling the nations. That's true. Because souls was her passion, right. souls for the kingdom of God, and that drove her. I mean, we've worked with her. I've worked with her since 1981 and and Sharon since 1977. And we would just see the drive for the nations, for, for souls. You know, and that's and a passion for God. The passion for God to, to, to do his will and to have that impartation in your life too. And and we can look at and even Charles Finney, that. You know, one thing they would say, you know, you could see fire in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And there's a few pictures of Charles Finney. You can look at him. Yeah. You look in those scary. fiery eyes of love, you know, that passion. It's just like, you know, God is fire. God is love. You know, it's all in one. It's in one package. But but he had that zeal that just drove him and drove him. And when he would do a revival you know, he he wouldn't just do a, a weekend meeting and leave. He would stay till revival broke out. Sometimes a year, a year and a half, and and uh, would just turn cities upside down. Yeah. With a, and he was a reformer, and because he had that passion for God, and he had that fire in his life. It's true, it's true. And God wants us to be filled with that fire. He wants us to have this amazing relationship with Him where we let Jesus live in us and and love through us, love in us. Yes. 
In John chapter 15, Jesus talks about his relationship with his father. And he's talking about in in verse 9, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. You shall live in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And then he goes on to say, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Your joy becomes full when you when you walk with him, when you love him and when you let him love you. And verse 12 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And when when we are filled with the love of God, we no longer regard our lives as our own. We have given them over to him and we're willing to do anything that he says. Just like Jesus only did what he saw his father doing and he only said what he heard his father saying. We're saying way too many words that aren't from him. Uh, you know, God's challenging us to pare down our language. That And, and he said that you're going to be judged for every idle word, every word that's empty. Empty words, you know, we're just we're better off not saying them. It's better to just be quiet until we hear something that from the Lord and, and then our words will have weight. Yes. So he goes on to talk about greater love as no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I have commanded you. He wants to live his life in us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting that love from the Father and getting that love from Jesus welling up inside of us. Uh, It's a process. It's not something that happens instantly, although there can be an instant transformation Mm -hmm. that, you know, lots of people have an instant. Well, you were talking about Paul. Yes. Saul of Tarsus had an instant, well, actually he sat there for three days blind. Yeah. Kind of thinking about what just happened. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Not being able to see. Yeah. And he didn't eat or drink during those three days either. He would. He went to fasting and praying and saying, "Oh, I think I'm in trouble." I, that's my interpretation. <laughs> yeah, because the the immense knowledge that he had of the word of of the Torah, yeah. sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, you know, right. one of the greatest teachers of that time, and a, a disciple of his. And so Paul was very high educated. But if you can imagine everything you have learned, you poured your heart out and your putting people to death over it because you're our, you're, you're, you know, you're, this is the right thing to do that pleases God and then find out you're wrong. Everything that you have thought. Right. And then all of a sudden, total change. Right. So one of the things that we're looking for and praying for is multiple outpourings. We're seeing multiple outpourings. Um, Saul of Tarsus had his own personal outpouring. Yes, amen. He met the fire of God in that moment on the road to Damascus. There was a blinding light. And that's, you know, like looking at the sun, it's a major fire. Uh, and, and it's so bright and blazing, it can blind you. Yes. So we're looking for an amazing outpouring that God is going to do in these days to come where it won't just be here a patch of fire and there a, an outpouring of fire but it, it's going to be a worldwide outpouring of yes. of the the holy spirit 
and the Holy Spirit and fire, as John the Baptist referred to, that Jesus was going to send. So I want to share a vision that was given to Pastor John Hinkle in the mid-90s sometime. I'll just read what he wrote. God gave me the most powerful vision I've ever had. Suddenly, I was in this gigantic football stadium with the game going on. I do not know where it was or who was playing. I only heard the announcer say that over 80,000 people were in the stadium. As I watched, in the next split second of time, the Holy Spirit came as light and seemed to stand beside everyone in that stadium. The Holy Spirit was not in them, but he was beside and on them. Instantly, everything stopped. The game ceased, for in that moment God had shown everyone individually just where he stood on the pathway of life and eternity in relationship to the glory of God or to evil and eternal darkness. It was so awesome it is impossible to describe. The players, the officials, and everybody in the stadium were on their faces weeping and crying out to God, either for his mercy or for the joy of seeing the glory of heaven revealed, according to whether they believed or did not believe. Again, let me say, the Holy Spirit was beside each one, and he showed them exactly where they were on the pathway of their present life, moving either toward darkness or light. It was as if God had caused time to stand still for a few moments, and everyone looked into eternity. Everyone knew it was God, and they knew that they knew it, for there was no doubt left anywhere. It was as if God stripped away every deception that man had let come into his life, and there he stood before the reality of life as revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. There was no condemnation from the Lord, and there was no judgment, but it was God reaching out to everyone in his love to let them see just where they stood on the true pathway of life and whether they were going toward evil or God. And there was no doubt in anybody's mind, it was God. I also knew at this moment that it was happening worldwide. There was weeping and wailing and crying all over the stadium. Some were wailing because they saw the darkness before them and they knew that if they kept going the way they were, hell would be waiting for them. Believers everywhere were crying because they wanted more and more of the great light and the glory they saw, and God was making them hungry and thirsty for his righteousness. Every believer in that moment was shown the glory of the kingdom. They saw how God in Jesus Christ was the creator of all things, as well as themselves, and that in him everything in heaven and earth was held together, and eternal life alone was in Jesus Christ our Lord. No one looked to his right or to his left. He was not concerned about anyone else, but only his personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He knew in that moment beyond all shadow of doubt that Jesus Christ was King of kings and Lord of lords. The scene changed, and I was looking at the stock exchange, and everyone in it were all on their faces before God and crying out either for mercy or for more of his righteousness and glory to rule in their lives. Everything in the world paused for that moment. How long the pause was, I do not know. Just a few moments, I assume. But that was enough. The people on the streets of every city in the world were on their faces, and everyone was shown that if they believed in less than Jesus Christ, they had been deceived. All shortcomings were exposed in the light of his love and mercy, and that forgiveness awaited those who truly repented and wanted eternal glory in him. Tens of thousands of people began to head for the churches, 
and the churches were filled to overflowing, but there were no services as we know them, and the reason was because every minister, priest, and rabbi was on his face before the Lord, for he too had had his very soul exposed totally to the glory of God, and he realized his own shortcomings and wanted more and more of the Lord himself. Every person in the world knew in that moment that he had a choice to make. God did not force And again, let me emphasize, there was no condemnation and there was no judgment, just the darkness of men exposed to the glory and the love of God for him. In that moment, the Lord gave me the scripture of John 16, 8. When the Holy Spirit has come, he will convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can really convince anyone of anything concerning God. People can tell you about God and you can read about Jesus and his glorious life, but suddenly the Holy Spirit exposes you to him as your new life in him, and then you know the reality of God for yourself. Immediately following this, the Lord gave me Isaiah 40 verse 5 as a confirmation of all that was going on, and it says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Wow, praise God. And the Lord wants to fill us with that Holy Spirit and fire. Amen. Even in the the book of uh, Matthew, uh, it's chapter 3, verse 11, where John says, says, I baptize for repentance, but there comes one who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that's what we want, and that's what we need. Hallelujah. And even in the book of Revelation, you know, Jesus' eyes were as a flame of fire. You, know, you read that in two different spots in, in Revelation 1.14 and in 19.12. His eyes are as a flame of fire. It's his passion for his bride. He wants us to know him. And he also has a passion for anybody who doesn't choose to know him. When, when he's been revealed like this, like this thing I just read, and they still choose to go after the devil in darkness, he has a passion of wrath. Deuteronomy 32, 33 says, A fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the lowest hell. We don't want to see that for anybody. And God doesn't want to see that for anybody. But that's what happens if you don't choose him. So we're praying for this mighty outpouring, this global outpouring of his Holy Spirit to draw people in his passion and in his love to draw them into the kingdom of God. And that's why we are doing what we're doing to equip the saints to be ready for this moment when it's going to be all hands on deck, when everyone is going to be needed to bring souls into the kingdom, to help people to come. They're going to be desperate. They're going to be desperate. They're going to say, how do I get saved? Please, somebody help me. And we have to be ready with that word of life to bring them into the kingdom of God as this mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platforms suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us via email, get a link to our Facebook page, and our YouTube channel where we stream live every week. 
You can also browse our online bookstore for life-changing anointed material. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving, fiery, passionate presence.